Hi, Blue Wire listeners. I'm Greg Olson. I'm excited to partner with Blue Wire to bring you TE1, a podcast where I interview the tight ends who have revolutionized the position. Listen in as I have raw, in-depth conversations with the all-time greats like Shannon Sharp, Tony Gonzalez, Travis Kelsey, and George Kittle. We'll explore how the tight end position has changed over the last 60 years and what it takes to be the very best. Subscribe to TE1 from Blue Wire Studios today so you're ready for the August premiere. Blue Wire. Three on the way! Yes! Paul George nails it! To the win! All right, Dunks and Discourse, episode 31, the Jason Terry Jet Edition. Uh, <laughs> f- friendly, friendly uh, memories with Jason Terry, man. I got to say, like, as a Mavericks fan, at times, it wasn't always a joy. There were a lot of times where Jason Terry took a shot where you're like, oh, my God, just give the goddamn ball to Dirk Nowitzki. <laughs> but, but you know what? He got his revenge. You know, he, 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 made, he made it all good in the 2011 finals. Actually, LeBron got his revenge on the dunk. But Jet getting that tattoo and Jet getting playing the way he did in the 2011 finals, every shot I didn't want him to take was forgiven. So there, there's that. There's the elongated Jason Terry intro. Yeah, I only remember the dunk. That's it. <laughs> Come on. You remember him shooting the lights out in 2011. Come on. No, I, Come no on. idea. No, 2011? Yeah. What is that? Yeah. <laughs> Just, you know, here, here's one for you. I'm going to give you this one. I... <laughs> After game one, and and for anybody that's out there, obviously, you know, like I, I have been a fan of the Los Angeles Lakers. Josh has, you know, at least been a, had a rooted, routine interest in the Dallas Mavericks in 2011 when the Lakers and Mavericks faced off in the semifinals. It was semifinals, right? Yeah, semifinals. Um, after game one, I thought, okay, that's all. That's all good. That's okay. That's okay. It's still good. After game two, thought, damn, damn, man, this, this is gonna be tough. But uh, you know, hey, it, it's been done before. Josh, after game three. Yes, I, 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 I told myself the same thing. Yeah, took, it, it, there, there's still a chance. It got all the way to ha- like the second half of game four when I finally said, eh, yeah, you know, I guess the run's over. And it hurt. And it, it, I mean, it, it really, really hurt. Which, I mean, like, it, it, it's a testament to what that Dallas Mavericks team was because mm-hmm. they were like basically 50 50 with Portland in that first round. In terms of like expert opinions, and mm-hmm. no one, no one even gave them a chance versus the Lakers in the second round. Like it wasn't even supposed to be close. The Lakers were supposed to be on their way to a potential three peat. Um, it, it, it wasn't even really a conversation. But my God, that fourth game. Because I remember thinking the same thing. To be honest, like mm-hmm. even up three zero, I was thinking I was just waiting kind of <laughs> for like the floor to fall out from underneath you and game four was a fucking massacre like it it was it was disgusting and it was highlighted by andrew bynum like mentally collapsing like full out grown man fucking tantrum shoving jj berea like it was it was a goddamn annihilation and i mean it was the end of kobe bryant playing meaningful basketball to be honest like yeah i mean obviously it not not to say that that is on him it's just that that was really the end of the Lakers being competitive. Yeah, no, it one hundred percent was, and and obviously you know he has that bounce back year the next year, or whether it was the next year or or two years later, whatever it was, the Achilles season. 
Uh, but you're right. It was a, it was the end of meaningful basketball because you know, obviously, as history goes, you know, he tears the Achilles with a few games left, and you know, you know never played another. Obviously, never played another postseason game. But yeah, we will uh, we'll stop uh, stomping on my <laughs> on my precious memories. But I figured I'd give you that one. I feel I feel like it's nice that we got to lead in with this because it's a nice little wave of nostalgia. I've had a few beverages this afternoon. Mm-hmm. It's been a wonderful day out in the sun. Getting to relive 2011 is nice. But I will say the last thing I want to say on this is Peja Stojakovic having his moment in that series was nice. And I, I mean, if you're a Sacramento fan, you know why. If you're a basketball fan, you know why. But Peja going like 7 of 7 or 8 of 8 from 3 or whatever he was in game 4 where he just like could not miss and had really been like the eighth or ninth man in the Dallas rotation until then was uh, was something very cool to watch. <laughs> and and now I'm going to revert back. Yeah, y'all got that one. Okay, moving forward. <laughs> it was a good one. <laughs> it was it, a good – it, it really it, was. It but, was a glorious one, yeah. Uh, it, honestly, as a sports fan, like I, I know a lot of times we, you know, we, we almost fight one another to dunk on each other and all these different things. And while, yes, the, you know, do, do these memories feel good to me? No, of course not. But – Sometimes if it's if it's just a great series or part of a great run or a memorable or noteworthy run or you know a, a part of a you know, part of a some career solidifying you know moments for you know you know long time you know very good or even great players it, it's okay to give it up it is so before before like this show this show we're we're, we're mostly going to be focused on Samuel L. Jackson down down the line. Yeah. That was that was the itinerary today. Before we do that, a couple, couple news and notes. And uh, you know, we we do have scrimmages happening mm-hmm. in Orlando, and I think the quality of basketball, from what I have seen, has actually been quite good. I've been un- unbothered from the lack of fans. I haven't ma- minded the broadcast, the uh, projection TV of you mm-hmm. know team stuff has been fine. Uh, yeah. w- what's your one takeaway so far from the scrimmages? My honest takeaway is exactly what you just said. A lot of us went into it, and I raised my hand because I was at least, at the very least, cautiously optimistic, you know, to a varying degree of skeptical about certain things. A lot of us went into it, you know, worried about this or worried about that, and you know, we had people that were preemptively being up, you know, uh, you know, making themselves upset about, oh, I don't want to hear crowd, you know, you know, fake crowd noise, and I don't want to hear that. Honestly, Josh, it's been fantastic, and I don't, and and. Guess this part of that could be because you know we were just thirsty for it and, and and just waiting. But if if we're giving an honest assessment, putting everything together, you know the, the way that they've handled the bubble, you know outside of a couple you know you know, little optics things and you know like maybe not necessarily loving the sound of a couple things, this has been a home run. This has absolutely been a home run. You know the lack of the crowd does not bother me. The the piped in noise does not bother me. The music doesn't bother me. The production. There's always going to be somebody that has something negative to say about it. But honestly, I think this is a, it is a damn near a, 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 a slam dunk for these guys. And so that that's been my biggest take. Yeah, and I mean like my overall interest hasn't peaked yet. Like I, I'm, I want games that matter. Of course. But on a whole, like relative, this I I have enjoyed. What I have seen from the scrimmages more than preseason basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I think it is a notch above that. And, they, and again, like, you know, Chaparri's going to be mad. Uh, let me tell you, NBA players, I know your body's better than you, says the podcaster from Calgary. <laughs> but I, I think the idea that NBA players weren't ready to play was vastly overblown. And yeah. I, I, I think the fact that they were all starting from a relatively similar place, you know, the talent level is... 
at an elite place. It is had like has it as it has always been for the NBA, and and I haven't you know there's been rust, but I don't I don't think there's like one team that's looked so much worse than everyone else that they needed all this time. So I'm really hoping, you know, that we don't get a lot of positives and that the illness from these scrimmages and then from these eight regular season games derail what should be a good playoff run. From your lips to the basketball gods' ears, same here. Um, you know, I was thinking, though, as I was watching a little bit of Celtics Suns earlier today, mm-hmm. and uh, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown both looked good, but um, Mikhail Bridges was the guy that I was watching for a bit. And even as the Jays were kind of taking him for some cash, he was, you know, sticking with them and he's got the long arms. And I I, I think the NBA has reached such a point where, of course, as soon as I'm thinking this, I go to basketball reference, I look at Mikhail Bridges' numbers. Um, I think the NBA has reached such a point where if you have a long wing who can switch, mm-hmm. even if he's raw as a shooter, as a playmaker, as like whatever else, if he can switch and he's long, I think his value is probably double or triple what the average fan would think. And I, I think we're going to see that the next few years. Like any wing that can defend multiple positions is worth more than you think they're worth right now. Yeah, I mean, it's really the most valuable position. Like, it, yeah, like of course, yes, you need you need guys that can see you. Like on the, on the flip side, you need guys that can put the ball in the hole. You need guys that can knock down the three. You need, but really, because... We're at such a level. We're at such a place where all of these guys, everybody can score now. Like, you know, they're, 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 we've gone are the days where it's like, oh, no, this guy just does this. You know what I mean? Like, everybody can at least to a certain degree put the ball in the hoop, you know, one way or another, whether it's from the outside on the attack you know, or, or, or a combination. So given, you know, so given that, yeah, I, I absolutely agree. I, I think that's probably the most important thing that any team can bring in. And in, in true NBA Twitter form, Anthony Doyle, who's a Raptors fan, and Jason Maples, who, a Laker, who is a Lakers fan, were arguing about Bull Bull and Rudy Gobert this morning. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jason was saying that like Bull Bull was already a better offensive player than Rudy Gobert after two scrimmages. <laughs> and Anthony Doyle was like rightfully pointing out that this is like a tad excessive and uh, ridiculous. And then he got inflammatory and was a dick to Jason, and Jason fired back. And it's unfortunate that like. People who, I've seen you on the NBA Twitter street, you've seen me for years. It's a shame that people get so quick to insult each other and treat each other like shit because really it should have just been a basketball conversation. And and here's what it came to, down to. Jason was coming from the perspective of Bull's a better shooter. He can turn a corner faster. If we're doing drills in the gym, there's no doubt that Bull, Bull is a more skilled offensive player than Rudy Gobert. Yeah. Sure. But the fact is, in a modern NBA offense, what Rudy Gobert does, you know, creating space with both his screens and his ability to roll to a rim, is greater than anything Bull Bull would do. And and I think that's what Anthony was trying to say, and I understand that. And I, I, I think we have reached a point, uh, bringing this back full circle to the wing conversation, where it has never been easier to hand the ball to player X and say, go get us 20 points. Mm-hmm. But... That's not the issue, right? We, you've got lots of players in today's NBA who can go be the engine. You don't want Bull Bull to be the engine because you have better. You want Jokic and Murray taking those positions. You want three or four other guys on the court, though, who can switch all over the place and knock down an open shot. And that's where, like, I, I just think the league has reached such a point where if you have two guys who handle every possession, you know, and you look at the 2018 Rockets and what they almost accomplished, if you have two guys that can handle every possession and take every shot, but the other three guys D up like it's nobody's business and are capable of spacing the floor, I, I, I don't think that's just 
the Rockets model. I, I think that's about to be the next wave of basketball for everybody. I, I could absolutely see that. I mean, to a certain degree, look back at the, you know, look at, look back, and I'm going to use this as an example, um, the Shaq and Kobe Lakers. That's kind of how they were set up. You had two guys that did a, the, like the overwhelming majority of the heavy lifting and a bunch of other guys that just fit that role, whether it was, you know, make, you know like pretty much you know, jack of all trade you know, type guys. Uh, I, I, I would absolutely be in favor of that. And it's, it's funny. This is that's kind of what the you know, what the well, no, not kind of. That's absolutely where the Rockets are banking on for this particular season right now. Yeah, it is. And it, I mean, that's been their identity for a few years now. And yeah, yeah. the Lakers make sense. And there is a level of engagement that comes with that and that is necessary. And and I, I think that is something, you know, Serge Ibaka had the quote, um, was it last year, where he was talking about how when you missed this shot with Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant, you knew that the ball wasn't coming around again. And that was mm-hmm. a bit of a deterrent to give your best, whereas he did not feel that way in Toronto with Kyle Lowry and Kawhi Leonard. So, like, you need to have role players who are very down with the fact that the only time you were touching the ball is to bail me out of a double team to shoot an open three. And you have and, to have pl- players that get up to play defense despite never getting there as an offense. And that and that is a tough job from a general manager's perspective. But I do think when you see all these, oh, yeah, yeah, of course Bull Bull can shoot. You know, everyone in the NBA can shoot relative to you and me. But who do you, who, you know, from an efficiency standpoint has the best chance to put the ball in the hoop? And it, you only want two or three of your guys taking the majority of your possessions. Yeah, no, I, I agree, and 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 just quickly on that exchange, I, I'm going to be honest with you, I you know like I I was entertained by it, but like you, I I thought the same thing, like hey, this could have just been a this could have just been a straight back and forth, and it probably would not have escalated had you know, and, and I'm not going to point the finger, but you know, had somebody not started to you know started to be insulting, because the truth of the matter is, up until that point, I was I was actually you know what I was going to say, I was I was actually in agreement with Anthony because it's like hey, look. While yes, I see your point about what Bull Bull's doing. Let's give it a little bit more than you know than two scrimmages before we you know, you know before we declare him you know the, you know the, the next you know the next greatest uh, you know next greatest uh, interchangeable big or you know flexible big. Um, but yeah, you know uh, you know I, I guess bringing all of that back you know full circle. NBA Twitter, while it's absolutely fantastic, while I love it, and while I'm you know, while I'll complain about it, I'm ne- I'm never going to stop you know being a part of it or or, or being entertained by it. There are definitely days where it's easier stuff than others. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, like, Anthony Anthony should not have hit Jason. I don't know what the comment was. Like, you don't know basketball. Yeah, he basically said, like, if you're not smart enough to to understand. But but that that has been a problem in general. And, I mean, I did comment on this in a general sense. Like, I think I've been on Twitter, like, 11 years. Like Yikes, I, okay. I think I've been on an NBA Twitter eleven years before that I was on basketball forums. Some of the guys right now mm-hmm. who are working in positions at CBS and ESPN are guys that I knew from message boards a decade ago. Mm-hmm. Eric Pinkus like, is one for me. There, there should be a level of of I would think respect and camaraderie between guys who like basketball and want to talk about basketball on the timeline. That should not involve trying to discredit like. It, it is a logical fallacy in an argument, in a debate, to dismiss or discredit your opponent rather than their point. Not that like mm-hmm. the average NBA Twitter user is really keeping count in that way, but it is. I mean, yeah. if you're attacking the person across from you rather than their point, then you're beat. You're already and lost. It, 
And I, I just see way too much of that from people. And, and I mean, I could, I could take this wide. I could go all the mm-hmm. way to politics and leftists and progressives and the fact that, like, you're on the same fucking team and you don't even know it as you're causing further division within your own camp. But I'll stick to basketball. We're all here to talk and watch basketball. And it, it, it routinely sucks that I see people that I like, that I've, that I've conversed with, go at each other and, and take it to a place it doesn't need to because they can't decide whether Bull Bull or Rudy Gobert is a better offensive player. Like, come on, man. Shit. Like, I, I'm just going to be upfront. Sometimes it, it it I think it's okay to just say like well you know what I, I really don't have it in me to have this you know, to, to argue this like it, if you like if you know genuinely that you that you don't want to keep up this debate for me personally I'd rather just say hey look I don't I, I I'm not going to go back and forth about this than to insult you but you know whatever I'm not I'm not going to play timeline cop but you know I, I was just in agreement with your point it's not even like timeline cop it's like how Woodstock was perceived to me like. It's that ELE. It's like everybody love everybody. You know, mm-hmm. like we, we, we don't yeah. need to be killing each other over stupid shit on the timeline. Anyway, carry right. um, on. What have you been binging this week? Man, a ton. We, it's been about 10 days since we talked about shows that we watched. And I, I actually did some movies. But before we do that, I've got a quick I got a quick list for you. How many? Okay. Sure. Yeah, actually, you're rather, than, rather than going you know, like, you know, down the list, how many views do you think like say the number one movie on Netflix, got like, like just a, a ballpark. In a, a ball- week? No, no, total. Oh, I have no idea, man. Like, hell, I have I, like literally no idea. Twenty million? Yeah, see, and and I was right around there as well. The reason why I bring it up is Extraction, movie that we dis- we've discussed on the show. We both enjoyed it. I think we both had it somewhere in the sixties and seventies. So obviously, that meant we we we, we, we liked it. Ninety nine million views. Like from where? Where's the source on that? Because I know that there's been controversies before where I don't know what the number was. Like the Adam Sandler Jennifer Aniston murder mystery movie that Netflix dropped, they said broke like the all-time streaming record, and X amount of people watched it. And, and, he, and that's, I'm what? glad you asked that question because it brings me to the point that I the whole reason why I was even going to bring the list up that it it came from Netflix. <laughs> and here's the deal. They count, and, and, I, and I thought about it at first. I was mad about it, and I realized, well, I guess, you know, there, there has to be a cutoff. They count it as a view if somebody watches the first two minutes of the show or movie. I'm actually okay with that because, like, mm-hmm. for the purposes of a unique user clicked it, fine. Yep. But what did you say, 90 million, 99 million? 99 million. All right, I'm just going to run down. I, I want to ask you how many of these you've seen. Obviously, you've seen Extraction. That was number one with 99 million views. Uh, Bird Box was number two with 89 million. You saw that one, right? Yeah. All right, Spencer Confidential. I have not seen it. No, I haven't either. Mark Wahlberg, somebody else can. Oh, there, there you go. 85 million. Six Underground. Haven't seen that. That's 83 million. Murder Mystery. Uh, the Witcher was number six on the list. I, I think you said that you TV were into show. that one, right? Yeah. yeah I, I do like fantasy, and I, I mean, I haven't played any of the Witcher games. I did download Witcher 3 to start after I finished Red Dead Redemption 2. Um, but yeah, no, I, I did enjoy actually The Witcher. I thought it was right. good. 76 million views there, and I'll quickly just uh, round out the top 10. Money Heist, uh, which is a show, uh, number seven. Tiger King, that, that, that was interesting. It, it was number eight, 64 million views of that. The Irishman, 64 million views of that, and in the wrong missing. Anyhow, just uh, I, I, I was just blown away by those numbers. Like, it's absolutely blown away. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I wonder, though, like, what did you say Witcher was? 75? Uh, 76 million views. 
Okay, so 76 million views across all 10 episodes of season one, or average 76 million per an episode, or 76 it, million total watched one it, episode? Yeah. Great, great question. Yeah. I mean, if they're doing it, it, especially when it comes to shows, if they're doing it in just the first two minutes, I, I would imagine a lot of people you know, would get into that and you know, decide one way or another. All right, anyhow, just to, you know, to, but to finish your, to answer your question, I watched Imposter Season 2. Now, we talked about this on a previous episode of you know, you know, the show. And you kind of had that, yeah, just wait and see, buddy, you know, uh, uh, type tone, and I see why. Season two completely flies, you know, flies completely off the rails. Uh, it was a kind of a bold move to transition, it, you know, the the heartbreaking trio into actual hustlers themselves, and it, it just didn't work. Uh, I'll be honest with you, you know, kind of like how Netflix has done in the past with shows like Lucifer or um, I think yeah, Arrested Development. If they pick this up, you know, like and you know, and try to do a bounce back year, I'd watch it. Uh, you know, at least to see if they, if they could do something better with it. But yeah, it was pretty rough, and I see why Bravo um, wound up canceling. Uh, yeah, I remember. Fe- I remember feeling like I can't really remember all the ins and outs of like the turn of the wedding. But I just, I remember feeling at the end like yeah. it was crazy. Like it, 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 I'm, I'm not gonna lie to you. It had at least a dozen. Yeah, let's just have fun scenes. Like not, like, not quite hunters bring back Adolf Hitler. No. He isn't actually your grandpa crazy, but crazy. No, like, like, just I'm not joking with you. Scenes where it looked like the actors just said, "Let's just have a bunch of kids." I, like, just don't. It, 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 it doesn't make sense. They're, they've already suspended, you know, to, you know uh, total reality. Let's just have fun. Don't worry. Anyhow, another show, and I strongly recommend this one. Have you heard of the show Black Earth Rising? Uh, it's a Netflix show, or excuse um, me, it's a Netflix uh, miniseries, I guess. No, you did. You did text me saying it was good, and then I added it to my Netflix list, but I haven't actually checked an episode yet. All right, I'll quickly go through that. Uh, it's, it's back from 2018, but it caught my eye as I was scrolling. Um, it's a story of a Rwandan refugee that was adopted by a British human rights attorney uh, during the genocide that you know some would remember uh, uh, be, being depicted from Hotel Rwanda back in the day. Uh, well, she grows up and becomes a legal investigator that specifically takes on Rwandan war crime cases. It's got Michaela Cole. Um, are you familiar with her? Uh, not off the top of my head, no. She's from Chewing Gum, a few other things. She's kind of up and coming, but she's... I'm a big fan of hers, you know, uh, and, and like yeah, I mentioned, Chewing Gum, that was her first big show. Um, she's sort of, you know, kind of rising right now. She actually has a brand new show on HBO called I May Destroy You, which I'll eventually watch. Um, you know, once since season one is wrapped, but she's absolutely fantastic. And, and the rest of the cast, John Goodman's in it. It's, it. it's got a pretty good, you know, pretty good cast. So I recommend that one. Sure. Hmm. Okay. And then quickly, two quick movies. <laughs> All right. So initially, I'd asked Josh to watch A Fatal Affair. Now, this was before anybody had seen it. It was when it, it was a lead-in. It was RFs. It was Sonai Lathan. I thought, or excuse me, not Sonai Lathan. My goodness. Uh, everybody's going to be upset with me about, about uh, mistaking. <laughs> um, now I can't think of the actress. But anyhow, basically, um, I thought it was going to be good. It was probably the worst Netflix movie that I've ever watched. And that's saying something because I have watched a, an Adam Sandler Netflix movie. It's Nia Long, by the way. Um, it's, it's, it really, it legitimately feels like a low budget, like kind of made for TV deal. And I'm not going to lie to you. And I'm a, I'm an Omar Epps fan, but he, he was such a mess. It, 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 it was almost like he was trying to make it bad. Like it, it's one of those movies that it's so bad. You think that they're, you, you, for a quick second, you think, wait, okay. So is it a spoof or are they being serious? And no, they were being serious. So anyhow, it's a fatal affair on Netflix. Uh, sorry, you know, no disrespect to all of the creators that uh, put in the work to, you know, uh, to make that. But yeah, that was bad, and y'all know it was. And then the last one was Palm Springs. I know you didn't watch. That's why I didn't even stop there. Um, the last one was Palm Springs. Um, it's basically Groundhog Day with the twist of two people being, you know, uh, going through it instead of one. 
I, I saw a lot of people on the timelines, you know, kind of screaming about it. I decided to give it a shot. I thought it was cute. I didn't think it was great, uh, but it was really fun in the same types of ways as Groundhog Day was. You know, they added a couple new wrinkles uh, to add to the suspense. But it, like I said, it was basically Groundhog Day for Gen Z and millennials. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, what was the one you were talking about just before? The Fatal Whatever? You told a, a Fatal Affair? Yeah, I was going to watch something, getting in the process of like, okay, I'm going to watch this tomorrow. And before I even cut around to it, I was like, never mind. No, don't watch this. Don't, don't waste your time watching this movie. Because, oh, yeah. I, I wouldn't go do that to you. Like, <laughs> I was five minutes in and said, oh, damn. This, yeah. And I think when I hit you, I was about 20 minutes in. It, it was evident. Yeah, and I, I mean, so like I think the last time since we've talked, I'm not sure I've watched actually a ton lately, but... Um, I did give Down to Earth with Zac Efron on Netflix a bit of a go here. Okay. Um, watched the first few episodes of that. I mean, as someone who doesn't particularly love traveling and doesn't have a ton of traveling experience, it's been interesting to see to him go to some some different places. And I, he's got like a fun dude bro vibe. Uh, but <laughs> but like the the dialogue is sometimes painful in the show and like Zach Efron's like cutouts at the end of every episode like yeah let's save the world let's find renewable energy um, you know like that but I mean on a whole like if you want to see some cool stuff in some different places in the world that's been cool um, there's also and Anna Kendrick guest stars in like the second or third episode okay. and I I was very taken aback by how much her character from Pitch Perfect appears to just be her which that's is, her that's just I, <laughs> that's yeah. documentary. <laughs> yeah, I always I always enjoy that, and I I was thinking maybe that work makes them worse as an actor if they're just living, but uh, it it is interesting to see. But yeah, no, I didn't watch a ton this week to be honest with you. I'm trying to think. The last movie I watched was was out there. Like it's it's been it's probably been eight days since I've seen a movie, which might be my all time record to be honest with you. Yeah, I'm gonna be like I, I'm kind of stunned by this because I'm usually the one that you know I'm stuck on a. I mean, I, I can keep going. I, I continue to watch Big Love. No, I'll I'll say I'll save some for you know for or for the next episode. But um, I, I think I like I finished Avatar. Um, oh, okay. Last Airbender, which was good, but I mean it was too short. It would. Um, this I I was unrewarded by a very long character turn, and, mm. and I'm trying to think of another show where this is comparable, where you know where a character's arc is headed the entire time. Um, and mm-hmm. if you watched Avatar at Zuko, and you just you know where it's going, and you're ready for it to get there, and it finally gets there, and like the show ends, so they kill them off, and it's like it's, it's kind of unrewarding to not live in that space for a while. But uh, on the whole, I understand why everyone loves it, and there were there were tons of timely issues in terms of like world politics and immigration, and um, I don't know foreign policy in, in Avatar that are very relatable today and still holds up. So I, I understand mm-hmm. why it is the uh, treasure childhood favorite that it is. I'm still going to get to it. Good stuff. Good stuff. Um, right. And with that, like, let's let's get to a word from our, our good friends, um, and we'll get to Samuel Jackson in a second here. Have you heard of DealDash.com? It's the best, most honest bidding site where you can win things you never expect at a price you never believe. They have over 1,000 auctions every day on electronics, appliances, beauty products, home decor, and even cars. Here's how it works. It's like an auction, but every item starts at zero and only goes up one cent every time you bid. The kicker is that auction clock restarts after just 10 seconds. That means every time you bid, everyone else has 10 seconds to answer where the item is yours. If you go ahead and buy now, DealDash is offering our listeners an extra 100 free bids. 
if you go ahead and buy now, Dealdash is offering our listeners an extra 100 free bids on Sino on top of their other discounts. Go to dealdash.com and use offer code DISCOURSE or dealdash.fm slash discourse. That's D-E-A-L-D-A-S-H dot F-M slash discourse. Sports are coming back. And so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball is finally kicking off this week, and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, BetOnline. Check out all the odds, futures, and prop bet- props to bet on, all available 24-7. On the entertainment side, Floyd Money Mayweather joins the BetOnline team to bring you a brand new segment, The Ice is Right. Floyd talks about all his jewelry and gives you the chance to bet on the cost of his bling to win some great prizes. Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. And with that role, I do can't help but, and I really want to note that of all the fucked up weird things that are happening in 2020, Mike Tyson, um, again, maybe it's just because I've been having so many beverages, but I... I had a few beverages, I'm stumbling my way home. <laughs> I click on Twitter, I see Mike Tyson is trending and that he has agreed to fight someone. And I slept that, and I honestly thought I dreamed that Mike Tyson was going to fight someone. And no, he is. Uh, it's Roy Jones Jr., isn't it? Yeah. And, and I had to look, and his last big fight was like 91 or something. No, no, no. You, who, you mean Tyson or. or, or yeah, Roy? yeah, 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 yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, technically, I mean, because yeah, he he did have he did have his comeback in the in the mid and late nineties, and he, yeah, he kept going you know longer than you know any any of his you know truest truest fans would have wanted to see. But here we are; he's fifty three years old, if I'm not mistaken, and yeah, I know Roy, you know Roy's right around the same age. Hey, look, I'm going to I'm going to be intrigued by it for the spectacle of it, but I, I have to be I have to be honest. I, I feel as though it's almost uh, irresponsible you know, for guys because here's the deal: those guys can still hit, and 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 you know what? You know, somebody would you know listen to this and say, "Hey, you know, if, if they agree to it, that's their bodies. Let them worry about it." And yes, that's true, but at the same time, part of me is worried about some fifty-something-year-old guys that can hit you know the way that those guys can hit get in front of one another. Oh, okay. So this this is why I messed up. Nineteen ninety was his the, when he got knocked off by Buster Douglas. Yes. But he, his last actual fight was 05. Yeah, which, which is still, still 15 years. 15 years ago. <laughs> and Tyson is 58 years old. 58? Let me Jesus. I thought it was yeah. 53. Okay. No, no, no. Sorry. Hold on. Let me look this up. 54. He's okay. had 58 career fights. He's 54 years, 54 years old. Yeah. Like, I mean, there's nothing in 2020 that would surprise me at this point. But, no. Um, basically. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so Samuel Jackson, and I gotta say, putting the list together is usually fun. But my God, putting together the list of your favorite Samuel L. Jackson roles was nothing short of a chore. And I was gonna make a game of this, but I decided not to because I might offend someone whose favorite Uh-oh. movie from the '90s was a Samuel Jackson movie I've never heard of. But there were movies mm. that I was putting into the Samuel Jackson form that I was like, "This is this is not a real movie." What the hell? This can't be real. Like that—that's where I was at, man. Like there were so many movies where I was like, "How have I never?" Like at one point, I came across Fury, and I was Uh like, "I was in Fury with Brad Pitt." (laughs) Separate movie. No, it's a completely different movie. No, say, honestly, honestly, guys, Sam Jackson was in everything from like '88 
through 98 easily. And then obviously since then, you know, still still a ton of things. But for a good 10 years, I, I swear he was just he was in just about every every single movie. 189 acting yeah. credits on IMDb. Yeah, yeah, honestly, I, I, I had a list of about 18 that I whittled down to 14 that I kind of sort of got down to five. Uh, I, I may have a, you know, I, I may have a, you know, read off your laundry list of, of folks at the at the Oscars, you know, type moment <laughs> when we do start doing the honorable movies. <laughs> the, uh, the, uh, someone commented when I put up the forum, like, this is hard because he has two distinct generations of, of movie mm-hmm. fans. And I was like, no, I mean, he did do the right thing in 89. Yeah. And he's still, like, he has like three or four generations of movies. Like, Easily. Uh, Easily. Like, Jordan won his first MVP in 88. The Bad Boys won their first title in 99. I like, or 89. I, I, I just. I like, was a small child when I first started watching him act, and I'm in my 40s now. There like, you go. Like Sam L did coming to America before yes. four years before Shaquille O'Neal was drafted. There you go. <laughs> like I, 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 I don't know how much perspective that adds. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's been a minute and it is, I mean, he has, I don't know what the right word is for it. Like he, he, I don't want to say range. It's not like his characters really range, but, but the range of movies, the type does. of movies yes. that, that he's done are, are, are vast. Like, I mean, and I was trying just for extra spice. I was like, what is the most memorable uh, Sam L quote? And, you know, I was thinking about, you know, I had a list of four or five that came to mind. I looked at a few lists online. Mm-hmm. And it was really like Jurassic Park, Incredibles, uh-huh. Cult Fiction, A Time to Kill. Um, <laughs> I was like, this is quite the range of movies. Like, yeah, he, yeah. He, he's been in everything. Yeah. Like, he, like people forget it. What, what, Wait, he's in Goodfellas, right? He he's Jimmy in Goodfellas. Well, not Jimmy. Stacks. Um, yeah, Stacks. Yeah, like he's in. He's he's like I said, he's been in everything. He's, he's, yeah. he's worked with every every director. Yeah, and like I, I looked, even he's got like six projects on the go, including one that's called Father Mucka. I saw that, and I was like, <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I'm here Ryan. for it. Yeah, I don't know. Um, okay, so just honorable mention. Uh, we'll do this how we usually do. Jabari not. I each have our top five. This was favorite, not best. Yes. And I, I will say right off the top, I, I think some of my favorite movies with Samuel L. Jackson are not Samuel L. Jackson movies, but he's just extremely memorable. Um, mm-hmm. Perhaps the most memorable part of the movie, despite having like a cameo or a small role. So you know, that's been up here. Um, yeah. But uh, the the audience's honorable mention was uh, Ordell um, from Jackie Brown. Okay. I'm not mad at that. Not mad at that. You know it's going. I I figure you figure it's it's going to be in my list, so I'll I'll get to that one. Yeah, I'm um, sure it would be. And I I I think the writers could have done better by Ordell. I think yes. that's like to sum up. If you missed us talking about Jackie Brown in one of the earlier episodes, I think like episode mm-hmm. five or six, um, I think I think Ordell's character was written out poorly at the end of that movie. But I yeah, memorable character for sure. Absolutely. All right. So my uh, honorable mentions. Danny Roman in The Negotiator. And, I, and yeah, I'm going to go through a few. Elijah Price, Unbreakable. Tat Lawson. It's a, He's got about 10 seconds at the beginning of, of Menace in Society. But uh, anybody that's seen that movie, they're familiar with it. Uh, yeah, Tat Lawson. And then Arnold from uh, Jurassic Park, of course. Hold on to your butts. And then uh, The Love Daddy from Do the Right Thing. So those are all in my honorable mention. And like I said, I, I had to cut off about 10 more. 
Yeah, my honorable mention was Arnold from Jurassic Park. And I and I know he has like a bit role in Jurassic Park, but hold on to your butts. Probably the most memorable line of the movie, other than maybe Life Finds a Way. Um, yep. But fa- fantastic, fantastic little small role. And again, yeah, like, yeah. I, th- I think that is, is part of his thing. Like a lot of the movies on this list, as someone who's been like a completionist for Leonardo DiCaprio and... I think Brad Pitt, I maybe hadn't seen like three movies mm-hmm. um, on, on some of these, but like of the 120 I ended up putting on this form, like I probably haven't seen 40 of these movies. I mean, that's understandable. Like, you know, for, for one, because a lot of them came out, half of his career was, you know, prior to, to, to times when you were even going to see movies. So I get that. Like The um, Caveman's Valentine. I, you know what's funny is I've seen all of them too, man. Like, I, I've seen The Caveman's Valentine, uh, low budget. But also very entertaining. It, it, it's good. Like it, it, jungle, it, jungle fever. Hold on, hold on. Now it's fever, and let 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 definitely let's pump the brakes because that is an absolute classic. De- <laughs> it's death, death by temptation. Like honest to God, I was gonna do this just for the listeners. Like I was gonna list four <laughs> movies, and one of them was gonna not be real, and three were gonna be real. And I I feel like maybe you have an appreciation for for some of these older films that other people don't. But I bet we would have got a lot of the audience because I'm just oh, like for sure. Well, school, yeah. school days, I think I've heard of, but I've never seen. Um... Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you college motherfucker. Yeah, no, yeah, that, that's a good role. That's a good role in that one. All right. The Exorcist 3, was that a. I didn't watch that one. That that was one of the ones that I didn't quite catch. Because I did laugh at some of like his earlier roles. He didn't even have a name. Like some well, of them were like black guy. Yeah, I was gonna, I was just, I was just gonna say, Josh, that's kind of how it went. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think which movie on IMDb listed him as black guy. Another one had him as black man. I was like, yep. he had a type at the start, you know. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, uh huh. Yeah. John Johnny Swade, he was Bebop. Yes. Do you yes. remember Johnny Swade? Yeah. Kinda. Anyway, we'll, we'll we'll get to we'll get to it. So the audience number five. Um, Major War and Hateful Eight, which um, is a fine selection. Again, one of my favorite Tarantino movies. I, I love Hateful Eight. I know you're not as big as on me, but I, I think it, it's got to be the most rewarding climax action blow up of probably any of the Tarantino movies. You know what? It, it isn't, and it didn't make my top five. But I actually want to give one of our one of our guys a shout out. Uh, shout out to Mark Schindler. I've actually been on his show. It's a uh, at M, you know, M Schindler NBA, uh, good, fo- really good follow Pacers guy. Uh, you, know, you know, does some, you know, does some writing as well as, as well as a couple different shows of about mistake form. Uh, but that was he, when, when, as soon as I retweeted, uh, when you posted the form, he said, yeah, that character times five. Uh, and he was, he was astounded that he wasn't even going to be in my honorable mention. And, and what I, what I really wanted to tell Mark and, you know, shout out to you again was, uh, I'm old dog. <laughs> so a lot of the movies that Josh was just like, this can't be a real movie. Yeah, some of those are coming up in my top five. Fair, fair enough. Um, it, it was a good movie, and I think him and Sam Rockwell, the roles mm-hmm. that they played, like the contrast was 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 really good to see them be the last two standing in that movie. If you haven't seen it, but um, my number five was uh, Russell Franklin, Deep Blue Sea. Nice, very I, nice. I realize that uh, Samuel Jackson might be my favorite good actor, bad movie actor. Uh-huh. Going through, like, there are a lot of movies in, in his filmography that are actually just terrible movies. Snakes on but, the plane. But are, you know, shh, don't spoil, don't spoil my list. But oh, okay. Are, are, are so memorable. And I don't really like bad movies. Um, 
You know, Mars Attacks is one that people will always talk your ear off, that it's a great bad movie. Mm-hmm. I hate Mars I hate Mars Attacks. I'm so bored. It, it, it's but, fun it's fun for that gen for you know for the generation about five years older than me that liked but, all of those people. Yeah. But Samuel Jackson's speech in Deep Blue Sea before he gets got by the shark is <laughs> iconic. It is such a great scene. And I, I love sharks. Like I you know, I, I'm someone I have a bit of a, a bit of a theory if you're in the ocean, you want at least one person wider than you and one person deeper than you then you know you decrease your chances of a shark getting you i'm very shark conscious um so i I love any shark movie but samuel giving the speech pumping them all up and the shark coming out of the the dive tube and getting them is it's just fantastic yeah i I love that i love that selection it did make my list but you know I, i have a soft spot for that movie i think i may have seen that in the theater twice once on a date and once with my guys so that 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 goes to show you how many shitty movies i've enjoyed over the years um my number five was gator from jungle fever um he's not a main character it's it's kind of like as you just mentioned he's not a main character but he absolutely destroys each and every scene whether he's opposite wesley snipes or ozzy davis or ruby d um you know jungle fever is a spike lee movie it's one of it's one of his better ones um uh you know for anybody that's you know that's a spike lee fan I, i at least i i believe that it is uh, Samuel L. Jackson is one of the guys that Spike, you know, they used to, you know, used to pop up in Spike movies, you know, you know for sure. Uh, but uh, you know, it 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 kind of deals with some stuff that he dealt with in real life, uh, some substance abuse. Uh, when I say kind of, it very much deals with, um, you know, somebody that's uh, in, in crisis due to substance abuse, and it's something that you know Samuel L. Jackson, you know, maybe you know, maybe he had an advantage because he, he played it to a T, and it's absolutely like I said, if, if if you haven't seen that movie, which it sounds though you haven't. I do actually recommend it because I do think that you could get something from it. You know, I, I can watch some more Wesley Snipes. My Wesley Snipes cupboards are are rather bare. So Demo, Demolition Man and Blade are the only two I'm coming to the top of my head immediately. Oh man, okay, I can I can give you matter. You know what, Josh? We need to do it. It doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be the next episode, but we need to do Snipes because Snipes <laughs> Snipes will surprise a lot of folks. Man, he's got some serious frames. Yeah, fair, it's not fair. just. It isn't just Demolition Man. Like Water Dance is one that comes to mind. We'll get to it anyhow. All right, so yeah, that was not number five. So audience number four, uh, Frozone, The Incredibles. And uh, Woman Wears My Super Suit does kill me. I mean, it it is one of his four or five most um, memorable lines, no doubt. But, I mean, his role in that movie is, again, pretty limited, which is is not going to be totally foreign from this list. So Um, did you watch Incredibles, Incredibles 2? I saw Incredibles back in the day. It's been a minute. I, I remember thoroughly enjoying it. It was one of those movies where it was back in the day. I was in college when I was working in uh, probation facilities. So you could only watch like up to PG thirteen films, with, you know, with the boys, and that was one of the ones that we had the you know, actual DVD of, and we watched it probably every other day. So yeah, I, I did. I did enjoy it. Yeah, the second Incredibles is kind of a letdown. I won't let you. Know, let, I won't lie about it. But no, the first okay. one was good. Um, my number four, uh, Mace Windu. Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith. Nice. Um, Mace Windu remains the coolest Jedi. Um, I mean, it's Sam Jackson being a Jedi. With, with, without a doubt, <laughs> he wasn't even even allowed to say "motherfucker." Well, yeah. If, if he could have dropped a motherfucker right before he kicked Darth Sidious at some point, that I mean, it would be a lock that this was the number one role. Um, <laughs> but he was saying it with his eyes. If, you yeah. saw it. If if Anakin didn't bail him out too, I mean he he just defeats Darth Sidious and you know mm-hmm. the move, episodes four, five, and six are a non-issue because 
you know, nothing goes down. But uh, the purple lightsaber is the coolest lightsaber anybody's had in any of the Star Wars movies, too. Uh, yeah, I, I honestly, and I know Samuel Jackson has said a couple times, and he did in episode nine, I think he voiced um, just a line at the end of the movie when Rey is, you know, talking to all the Jedi who passed or whatever. But I know that he's not ruled out a return to the Star Wars universe, and with them doing um, all sorts of spinoffs, I would, honest to God, I would love to see like a whatever one movie spin-off where like how did Samuel Jackson's Mace Windu become a Jedi master like what did he do to sit on the council and be Yoda's right hand cuz i mean he is one of the more interesting characters from the from the prequel movies i i put it to you like this i i i'm not nearly the star wars guy that you are but i'd be all for it i'd absolutely yeah, I, be here for it and and i mean i'm pretty tame on the star wars thing too but they need to do it because age is getting to a point where mm-hmm. I'm not sure we're not we're not going to believe it's 20 year old Sam now anymore. So. Well, I, okay, so no joke. When you started saying it, I was like, okay, so listen, Sam looks good, but how far yeah, yeah. back can you go? <laughs> yeah, I got you. Um, right. Well, I mean, we did watch The Irishman, and they told me that Robert De Niro looked 30 years younger. I'm not sure that was the case, but Josh, you know. that's I'm not going to lie to you. I I, I I I I will confess that's part of the reason that really that movie bugged me. It, yeah. It's be, because people were lying to themselves saying, oh, look oh, at yeah. this technology. And I was like, what the fuck? That's terrible. That looks – anyway, yes. Yeah. Okay, maybe we get a flashback situation where he's in it, but we get like Michael B. Jordan or somebody else. There you go. That, you know, there you go. I'd okay. be here for it. Um, um, so you're number four. My number four was Zeus from Die Hard with a Vengeance. Um, it's easily you – know, it's one of my favorite characters. I do love that movie. Um, I did shout out. I don't even remember who it was at time when we were having the, you know, the, the discussion about, it. I was going to say, or maybe the discussion about it on the timeline and someone actually said that Dara 2 is better than Dara 3. Something's wrong with you. But the chemistry with Bruce Willis was great. The two of them, they really sold that cop, you know, versus begrudgingly deputized citizen dynamic. You know, um, it's, it's, it's probably one of the movies that I could, that I could still watch on a regular basis. You know, you know, that that movie where you could put it in at the end of the night type thing. Not, not that I want to watch it from start to finish, but it's the end of the night type movie that I can still go to. Okay, so you know at the end of the night when you're tired mm-hmm. and, and you're walking down the stairs and you're like, oh, fuck, I missed a stair? Yeah. that That is Die Hard 2 versus Die Hard. It, uh, oh, yeah, yes. It, it, it It's a fine movie. Samuel L. Jackson does do a great job. Zeus, Bruce Willis <laughs> is, is Bruce Willis. Um I do think it's hilarious that there were like puzzles. Like I remember watching this uh-huh. with uh, Denise a couple years ago, and we like paused the movie to try to figure out the water thing together. We're like, okay, how you know if we dump the water into the bucket? Um, not not sure how this. I mean, the terrorist plot, but um, it just it just doesn't hold up compared to Die Hard, which is unfortunate. But well, it's because Die Hard's one of the greatest action movies of all time. Yeah, I agree. It, I agree. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. But it but it is better than Part Two. It's it's one of those times where part three is better than part two. Well, part two, part, part, two, part two is the one in the airport, right? Yes. Yeah, which was yeah. Yeah, just yeah. Part me. three when he's running around the city with with uh, Sam better for sure. Um, what about okay. the audience number three? <laughs> audience number three, uh, Ken Carter, Coach Carter. Okay. okay. I gotta say, if you ask, if you ask, uh, ten thousand people. Across the world, anywhere in the world, what's the movie you think of when I say Samuel L. Jackson? Do you not think Coach Carter would be number one? It it, it really does depend who you ask. Like like the the age range. 
Coach no, Carter. So that's what I'm saying. You're randomly asking 10,000 people, all ages, demographics across the world. What do you think is the most common response? If we're playing Family Feud, Samuel L. Jackson, what's the movie people think of first? Man, you it probably it might be Coach Carter. It's, it's it's a Disney movie. It was big. You know, I, I could see it being. Coach I know Carter. people. It disappoints right me now. that it is. It disappoints me that it is, but it it, it it's at least in that conversation. I know people listening are like, no, 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 no. Like, yeah. it's Pulp Fiction. And you, I, you, I mean, but, you know that's what I wanted to say, but I, but it's I, not. I have to be honest, that's not what it is. Because Tarantino is not mainstream like that. And no. like, you know, grandparents and and, and uh, your mom wasn't taking you to that movie. And Actually, she uh, was, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I have uh, Coach Carter coming up, so I'll, I'll save my piece. But yeah, I love the movie. Yeah, I, uh, I get it. Like I said, I get it. I, I'm not going to argue against it. Um, it, it. It's not there for me. It would be like, um, you know, it, like I would understand if if if, a, if the masses would say that they know Denzel from you know remember the, remember the Titans, but that's certainly not what I you know what I would recognize. Well, well, again, it probably would be for Denzel. That's what I'm saying. Like that's yeah. what like the, like the masses that you and know, again necessarily that's, Denzel. That's not that's not to say it's the best movie. It's just to mm-hmm. say like the most most widely, recognizable. Yeah, recognized movie. Um, my number three was Snakes on a Plane, Neville Flynn. <laughs> I, I, when, when you said don't give up my list, I thought they, he doesn't have that coming up. No, I, I, I love this movie. <laughs> this is, is one of the only god-awful movies that I have watched probably <laughs> six or seven times. Like, oh uh, my God. I'm sick and tired of these motherfuckers' names. This motherfucker's plane. plane. Kills me. But the scene in the bottom with the luggage... When uh-huh. the snake strikes him and he hits it with like the harpoon gun as the plane's shaking. <laughs> yes. Just I, I honest to God, I just love this movie. Like everything about it's so ridiculous. Like we gotta get this witness before they hit Witsec. How are we gonna do it? We're we gonna shoot him, we're gonna put a bomb on the plane. No. We're That's gonna put a snakes. thousand snakes with pheromone flowers <laughs> and we'll just hope they get them. Like <laughs> and, like, and kill the everyone else on the plane too. Honest too, like you know, you're learning a lot about me and how like easily I'm I'm scared of things, sharks, etc. Every time I pee on an airplane, I I check that uh, toilet before I. <laughs> Josh, I saw this movie in the theater as well. I, you know, I I'm realizing I've seen a lot more terrible movies, but you know what? It's usually based on if, if I really really like somebody in it. I love this movie as well. It didn't make my list, but I'm I'm, I'm just happy that it made yours. Yeah, I mean, I I really like. If we did best, it would have been tougher, and I would have had to think about it longer. But unlike favorite, unlike Snakes on a Plane, is is probably the second most I've seen any uh, Sam Hell movie. So not mad at that. Not mad at that. Yeah. Mine, I'll do quickly because we've we've already discussed it on several shows. We already alluded to it. It's Ordell Roby uh, from Jackie Brown. Um, you know, when I think of Sam Jack's lines, and 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 I appreciated that you put that out there. Uh, you know, that tweet of you know about some of his iconic lines. But when I think about his lines in particular. Well, the, one of the ones that stands out to me is his delivery of AK-47, the very best there is, when you absolutely, positively have to kill every motherfucker in the room, except no substitutes. I'm not playing with you, Josh. I, I could watch that scene over and over and over again, just just for that line. So yeah, that or- Ordell Rugby is one of mine. Yeah, fair enough. And I I knew it would appear on your list. I honestly you knew thought it, it you, might be you one. Knew. Yeah. Uh, oh no no no. We got we come on. Well, now you know, I know you who know one is. Number yeah. one. I thought, but I was thinking. I thought it was an underdog to be your number one. All right. Yeah. Uh, I, I went back and forth. If we're being honest. Honest audience number two, um, Stephen Django Unchained. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> and I knew this was gonna bug you. 
It's a uh, great character, I know. I don't know how to describe him without offending people, but I, I think it's sucky that um, people's second favorite role of yeah. Samuel Jackson is him just being the lowest common denominator um, in a lot of ways. Yeah, he's getting his Whitlock on, and everybody likes that, I guess. All right. <laughs> you know what? I, you can go there, and I'm glad you do. I will. Yeah, yeah, I can't I, go yeah, there. Yeah, um, that's okay. Yeah, yeah. 1860s Jason Whitlock. Uh, <laughs> my number two is um, Carly Haley, A Time to Kill. Nice. Uh, grade 10 English class. She, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, you think you're hot shit. You go to high school, you're in this English class, you're joking around. Two weeks into the into the program, she puts on this movie and we had to write a paper on this movie, Man. which I've been trying to find. I, I Honestly, when we were doing this, I was like, I should find that paper. Like, what did I think about this movie 12 years ago? But this is probably, if we were doing best, this probably would have been my number one. Like, he is, um, he's haunting as Carly Haley and the whole movie is, is, is well done and uh, memorable in sort of a bad way, but um, hell of a movie. Man, I'm you know, okay. So of course we'd be on the same page from the absolute pain and horror that he displayed when he found out about his daughter. Uh, you know the outright understandable vengeance that he showed. You know that he showed when you know when he came through with the AK. Uh, but he, you you know I love them. I love the lines. And yes, they deserve to die. And I hope they burn in hell. Will always be an iconic line. You, I don't even think you you had that on as one of your options, but that's the one. That's it the was one. an option. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, it's yeah. my number two as well. Yeah. Oh, okay. So we both had it as number two. Yep. Yeah, it was an option. And and I'm thinking, like, I'm looking at it now, 96. Um, what, like, I, I just don't know. It's we Like, there are a lot of movies that um, are held up. And, and this feels like one that is probably, I mean, it's worthy of being held up, but it's not a widely talked about movie. Yeah, it isn't. It isn't. It, it it's kind of it, and and really with the cast, especially you would think people would talk about it. You know, yeah, Sandra, Sand- Bullock, Sandra, Sandra Bullock, Sandra Bullock at her at her at her top. At her top uh, Matthew McConaughey doing his thing. Kevin uh, Spacey. Kevin Spacey. Yeah, the back. Kiefer be- Sutherland. Donald yes. Sutherland. Yeah. Yes. No, it, I mean, it's and there's even good. more. Like you know, I, I can't think of them all offhand, but no, that's a that's a phenomenal movie. Yeah. Um, really is and i mean it's worth a watch if you've never seen it it's not a watch and you know have a few drinks have a good time watch but it's it's a good watch yeah like yeah you're not you're not eating popcorn and and high-fiving it's kind of like a mississippi burning type watch it's not gonna make you feel good yeah wait you've seen mississippi burning right yes i have okay all right all right what about the audience number one uh the audience number one surprise surprise uh jules winfield pulp fiction yeah I'm, I'm just flexing right now. Go ahead. <laughs> I, again, again, I like. I guarantee, if you like Pulp Fiction, I like it less than you. That's that's where I'm at with Pulp Fiction. However, Samuel Jackson's Jules Winfield is probably the best part of Pulp Fiction, so I'm okay with it. I'll, I'll get over. It. Yeah, I, if we're being okay, I'm not going to do the entire twenty five seventeen, but. The scene from you know with the Ezekiel twenty five seventy, but even the lead in the, the drive you know the drive over to the apartment and and, and the walk up the up you know the, to the elevator and all of that, Samuel Jackson just absolutely destroys just shreds that scene and it's funny because around the time a lot of you know like everybody you know spoke of that movie as um as um uh, John Travolta's comeback and oh John Travolta look at the dance scene look at Samuel Jackson is, is the shit in that movie. 
like you know, like if, you know, for, you know, as someone that loves it, yes, I love a lot of the different performances. I I, you know, I, I love you know, the, you know like how everybody's playing off one another. But without Sam Jackson, that movie's just eh. Yeah, I mean it's just eh, anyway. But you know, <laughs> no, it is not. No, it is not. It, it is. It, it it's a narcissistic, pointless movie that uh, that okay. Is about is a Quint- to- so you just said it's a Quentin Tarantino movie. It's a, I mean, it, it was distinct Tarantino trying to tell you who he was and uh, how how crafty he was. That lacks, you know, uh, character development, coherent plot, but whatever. Thomas, I guess Thomas, the, you hear me trying to defend. I'm trying to tell him. I'm trying, if you Thomas. Think, if you think the rather slow, if you think five minutes of dialogue for a punchline is worth it, then Pulp Fiction is absolutely your movie. Um, God, Jesus Christ. You know what? I'm going to have to start shitting all over, you, all over your favorites now just for that. This is the this is the one though that I feel that I genuinely dislike that you genuinely like. There are a lot of movies that you like more than I, and, mm-hmm. and vice versa. But this is the one that I genuinely dislike that you like. No, it it, it happens. Like it, 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 I am also willing to acknowledge that I get it when people say they don't like. If someone tells me they don't like a Quentin Tarantino movie, I get it because he is not for everybody. Like his style in general, and it and oftentimes it's the same type of style. The reason why I, you know, I jokingly, but not really jokingly, said you described the Quentin Tarantino movie is because that's kind of his thing. You know what I mean? Like, like that's kind of what he does. Sometimes he does it better than others. But you know, for me, Pulp Fiction still holds up. It's still the shit. Fair enough. And um, my number one, you know, I kind of already said it, but Coach Carter. Okay. Ken Carter. I mean, coming up playing basketball when it came out. Love the story, uh, love the whole concept. Um, I thought it was very well played. I actually have a friend who who says he went to the same, he he, uh, he went to the same high school, knows Ken Carter. He has some stories. I would have to get his permission to air some of these. So, uh, you know, I, I I know that with that movie, um, even before those conversations, um, that maybe some things were embellished and maybe not everything was true to form. But but fantastic movie. Oh, good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah, I'm, I'm not, like I said, it didn't make my list, but I totally get it. It's still a movie that, even though I'll roll my eyes at it, if it if it were if it were on in the background, I'd, I'd peek at it. I, especially especially when it, when it, when they when they got down to really playing ball. You know, I, I mean, it, and you know, like you're among young men, and you're, and you're starting to hoop, and you know, you're starting mm-hmm. to to go out with the ladies, and just some of the parts in that oh, movie yeah. with worms specifically. You... Yeah. For for me, it was it was stuff like Sunset Park and Above the Rim. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying this to be you know the, the joke, but like I, around the same time, it was Sunset Park and Above the Rim. That was your favorite. so I get that. Yeah, fair enough. Um, and so that's gonna wrap Sam L. Uh, thanks again for everybody who filled out that form. I'll put up uh, a graph or something in the next couple of days so you can actually visually see the results of the top twenty. Um, if you haven't yet, please like, rate, subscribe, hit us with the review. Um, We will see you Thursday morning.